0: This whole Visor library project is one that takes me through all of my old CDs and through the whole alphabet. As you may imagine, there are some letters that'll be harder to sift through. I only have a couple of Q albums, for example, that really stand out, but I do have a few dozen C's. It might be more than a few dozen, actually. I've dreaded getting to this letter because I knew it was going to be tough to look at all the incredible records that fall under C to find one to represent the whole letter. I mean, there are some super influential albums in here. I won't dive too much into them because maybe I'll end up doing some more episodes further down the line. After a lot of thinking, though, I knew there was one that stood out from the rest, one that has stood the test of time and still ends up being played often in my car, even though I no longer have one of those visor organizers. I'm not going to bullshit around with this episode. This week, I'm talking about the incredible album from Kaven called Until Your Heart Stops. Now This goes back 25 years. I I have what I believe to be a very vivid memory of going to the record store on its release day to get a copy. There are a couple of hazy details here which make me feel like I may be misremembering some things, but it's my truth and I'm going to go ahead and share it with you cave is a band that was a very early influence on me. Let me take you back a bit for this one. I started to get interested in the local underground rock scene when I was wrapping up my freshman year of high school. So we're talking 1996. I hadn't really found where I fit in yet. I'll use some stereotypes of high school cliques for this. I knew that I wasn't a jock, even though I did play on the school soccer team. I wasn't into drama or band. I certainly wasn't one of the preps or the cool kids. I was kind of a floater. I didn't have a problem with anyone, and they didn't seem to have a problem with me. But I needed to find a Group. I needed a family. And at some point, I knew a few guys that had started a band. I wanted to be supportive, so I bought their demo tape, which I still have. The band was called Sustain. Uh, they were a hardcore band. At that point, I had never heard anything like this. I didn't know what hardcore music was, but I immediately found something there and it changed my life. I grew up in Salem, New Hampshire, which, if you're not familiar, is approximately 30 minutes north of Boston. The mid to late 90s was an incredible time for local music in that scene. So many bands were popping up out of Boston, and what's Known as the Merrimack Valley, or as it's more affectionately known, MVHC. As a teenager being introduced to this new music and these bands that were comprised of other kids my age, I just became fascinated. I mean, these were primarily hardcore bands or what we used to call emo before the definition changed in the early 2000s. To give you an example of the kind of bands I'm talking about, uh, people like Converge, Piebald, Cast Iron Hike, Shadows Fall, Jejun, just to name a few. Uh, These bands introduced me to new musical styles that I'd never heard before. It was the first time my ears and eyes were being opened to this world that I didn't know existed right down the street. I say eyes because possibly even more important than the music was the community that came with it. Concerts, or what we called shows, were a safe space where we could be ourselves and not feel the judgment from the surrounding world. They were a place where the struggles we felt were weighing us down went away. My friends that I grew up with didn't really get it. They listened to the music and and had no interest. And, And I get that. I wouldn't exactly call hardcore music the most accessible sound. It's aggressive. They're screaming. You know, very different stuff compared to the popular music of the time. But it was the music that drew me in. You could feel the emotion in the singer's voice as he screamed out the lyrics. You could feel the energy oozing off the guitars. You could feel the angst in the fans that were slamming into each other as they ate it all up. I loved it all. As they say in Hamilton, I just wanted to be in the room where it happened. I wanted to witness it. I wanted to feel it with everybody else. There's so many nights that I was at that go down in the scene folklore. Uh, One moment in particular that I recently shared with one of the guys involved. I was at a show at Merrimack College. Uh, The band Barrett was performing. They were, I guess, a short-lived band, but Zach from Barrett went on to be in Bane. Anyway, Bear were performing. Zach was doing his wild thing on stage, as he always does. He had a microphone in front of him that he kept yelling into. And at one point, my friend Jim looks at me and says, I don't think that mic is plugged in, which couldn't possibly be true, right? I mean, his voice is coming across loud and clear over all the ear-splitting guitars. But then the mic was kicked over and we could still hear Zach screaming. Sure enough, that microphone was not plugged in. I've talked about this with a couple other people over the years. And I remember someone saying, I cannot believe you were there for that. I've heard about that show. And that's what I mean when I say community. These shows meant something. They meant so much to the fans. Why am I telling you all this? Well, I wanted to try and paint a picture so you could understand what some of this music and these bands meant to people like me. I don't remember exactly when Caven came into that picture. I do remember a classmate of mine, Matt Drugan, uh, knew about them before I did. I think he actually put a show together with them at the Salem Elks Lodge or something. I found out about a lot of bands from him. It was Matt, uh, Chuck Conlon, and Greg Tulo. These three guys were my biggest influences when it came to music. Caven, they were a group of guys from Methuen, Massachusetts. That's the neighboring town to mine just over the border in Mass., I knew they were in high school, same time that I was, which seemed absurd. I mean, how were these kids that were just a year or so older than I was making such incredible music? Uh, That's also what made them even cooler. I mean, they were my peers, and they were just crushing it, which I've heard some of the guys uh, in bands on podcasts now talking about how they were just normal kids that played music, and that is true, but to the rest of us, they were our rock stars. I mean, even though we may have shared a Spanish class with them, they were still larger than life when they were on that stage. The first time I saw Caven was on a video compilation called The Actuality of Thought. It was basically a series of live performances. I think I bought this VHS tape because of the Get Up Kids and Piebald being on it, but I was drawn in by that Kaven performance. I heard a couple of songs through 7 Inches and tapes friends had made me, but this was the first time I had actually seen them, and that is what did it. I was hooked. They performed their song "Crossbearer." You can find this video on YouTube if you want to look it up. Uh, terrible quality by today's standards, but back in the late 90s, it was amazing to have this inside look at a show that I wasn't able to go to cave released a few seven inches and then put those together for an album called beyond hypothermia. I'd also like to make a quick point here. Uh, this was the late nineties. So the internet was a thing, but it wasn't being utilized like it is today. You didn't have instant information like album release dates or tours popping up on your social media. Most bands and venues didn't even have websites. I mean, you'd hear most things word of mouth or maybe get a flyer somewhere. I had heard that cave were working on a new album. I don't recall where I heard that. Probably through a friend. But I found out via my local Newbery Comics store when it was coming out. Newbery Comics is a small chain of music stores in the Boston area. I know Comics is in the name, and I'm sure they did, in fact, sell some comics, but they were a music store. Nay, they were the music store to go to in the area. I marked the date on my calendar. I made a plan. I had to go home after school, but I would stop by Newberry Comics on my way to have dinner at a friend's house. It was all planned out. And this is one of those details that's a little bit fuzzy. In my memory, release date of Until Your Heart Stops, it was raining. I don't know if that's true, but that's the way that I remember it. I ran into the Salem, New Hampshire, Newberry Comics, went straight to their heavy music section. I grabbed the last copy they had left in the rack. I don't know if it was the last copy they had overall, but it was the last copy on the shelf. And this is... Also, an important thing to note here, these records that were coming out didn't have huge pressings. Where an album by Sync or something around that time would sell a million copies in its first week, bands like Caven, I mean, honestly, they were lucky to sell a few thousand in the first week, if that. Some of these albums were hard to find in stores at times. It was an album by Piebald called Sometimes Friends Fight. I believe it was their first, and it was super limited. It came in a folded cardboard-style case with a Piebald patch in it. I bought it at my local Newbury Comics and brought it to school with me. A girl in my class who viewed me as a poser in the scene was so mad that I got it because she had never found it herself. Like It created some serious friction between us, friction that I never understood, but I guess that's on her. I don't lose sleep over it. Uh, Getting your hands on some of these records was an important part of being in the scene. Now, back to that release day for Cabin. I remember the rain because at that time I had a six CD changer in my car. The problem was the CD holder was in the trunk, so I had to get out in the rain, open my trunk, and get the new disc into the player without it getting soaking wet. To this day, I still have no idea why I agreed to have the player put in my trunk. Uh, It turned out to be a huge hassle for me over the years. I'm standing here in the rain getting soaked because I had to listen to this album at that time. I could not possibly wait. And honestly, looking back on it, I am glad that I did that. Because from the second the first note of Moral Eclipse hit, I was hooked. I took the long way to my friend's house and even sat outside the house for a few minutes because I had to get through the eight-minute epic that is The End of Our Rope is a Noose. I loved this record so much. It's almost impossible to put into words. I would take it into my house and back to my car almost every day for a while before it finally ended up staying in my car almost full time. I mean, it sounded better there anyway. I could play it a hell of a lot louder, that's for sure. Recently, I played a couple of songs for a musician friend of mine. We had been discussing random music that changed our lives. I mentioned Until Your Heart Stops, and he hadn't heard it. Admittedly, it's not really his musical style, so I get it. I played a couple of the songs, and he just sat there to take it in. He asked me two questions. The first was, how old did you say these guys were when they wrote this? I told him, about 19, give or take a year. And then he asked, and what year did it come out? To which I said 1998. He could not believe that teenagers 20-plus years ago could write and record music that still sounded this good. That's the biggest praise that I can give to this album. At the time when cave were doing this, it wasn't cheap or really all that easy to get into a recording studio. It took a lot of money and planning to make it happen. The technology then versus today is like night and day. There were some really great albums that came out in the mid to late 90s that were revolutionary at their time, but they haven't necessarily aged well. Until Your Heart Stops has aged like a fine wine. 25 years later and it's still fresh and groundbreaking new bands popping up today still reference it as a major influence the production quality is unmatched was recorded at God City Studios by Converge guitarist Kurt Ballou I could be wrong but I believe it was his first like real proper recording too. it's no surprise after you hear until your heart stops that Kurt Ballou has gone on to produce a ton of other mind blowing albums over the years. Until Your Heart Sauce became the gold standard emerged merged the band's roots in hardcore with other influences from metal to classic rock, a dash of 90s emo, and even some of the spacier rock that Kaven would become more known for in future years. And that's what did it for me. It was the uniqueness of the album. I can honestly say that at that time, I had never heard anything like this music before. It scratched an itch that I didn't know I had. I'll admit, there was an element of me that was a touch disappointed at first with some of the songs. I went into it wanting more of Beyond Hypothermia, which in some ways I did get. But there were so many other layers and sounds that came with it. I had to listen through a couple of times before I knew what kind of brilliance I had in my hands. And honestly, that is kind of Caven's story over the years. They would change their sound with every single album. And some fans would end up being left in the wake and some would stick with them, like myself. All right. Let's talk about these songs. Until Your Heart Stops kicks off with a song called Moral Eclipse. I think you need to hear these first few seconds to really feel what kind of intro this is. I still get goosebumps when I hear that. It takes me right back there to my 1989 Honda Accord in the parking lot of Newbury Comics in Salem, New Hampshire when I first put that CD in. It's a perfect intro song and it sets the stage for everything that would be coming down the line. Next up is Terminal Deity. Listening to this song today, it's clear to me that cave in were laying the groundwork for what would be coming over the next couple of decades. There's more screaming in it than cave in are known for today, but it has a very current cave in feel to it. It's heavy, but still has more of a rock sound compared to their hardcore roots. There is though this one guitar part toward the end of the song that still has me scratching my head. Tracks three and four are Juggernaut and the end of our Roop is a noose. Now, This album could be two songs long and still have the same impact today. What Kaven accomplished on these two songs in just over 13 minutes is legendary in my opinion. I've mentioned a couple of times here the phrase, what cave would become. I'm going to assume that you don't know their whole story until Your Heart Stops came out and rewrote the rulebook for hardcore and metal. It was kind of the... First Metalcore album, I guess? I don't know. Somebody will probably fact check that and get back to me, but it was one of the early on ones. The band's follow-up efforts, though, left a lot of the heavier side behind. They transitioned more into a rock band. I believe space rock was the phrase used most often. They stopped playing the music from their first couple of albums and really focused on what their new projects were. The music is great, but it was a quick and big departure from what we all fell in love with. A lot of fans really hated this transition. I've heard Steve Brodsky, the singer of the band, even say that they doubled down on it. Like At times, he feels like they were probably really mean to fans who were requesting the older music, but at the time, they had their passion. They knew their goals. They knew what they were going for, and playing the older stuff from beyond hypothermia or Until Your Heart Stops just was not in that picture. I'll admit that when they started making these transitions, it took me a little bit of time to get used to it i did love the newer music they were doing on creative eclipses jupiter and even antenna but it was vastly different to what i had grown up loving and what we hear on juggernaut with some of the guitar parts and transitions is clearly the preface to what was coming those sounds continue into the end of our rope is a noose This kind of guitar sound will become Kaven's calling card in just a couple of years following this album. This song is eight minutes long and it takes you on a roller coaster ride of emotions, singing, screaming, breakdowns, segues, everything. I think what stands out to me the most is the drumming. It just sounds so damn good on this song and throughout the entire album. Speaking of segues, Until Your Heart Stops has three of them. Track five is an instrumental segue. The other segues come tacked on at the end of other tracks. The title track is up next. To me, this feels like something that could have ended up on their previous record, Beyond Hypothermia. There's a brutality to it that carries over into track seven, Halo of Flies. This was one of the only songs from this era of Caven that really got carried over into future years. I've seen Halo of Flies live so many times, and honestly, it gets better each and every time. Again, it's the drums for me. I listen back to these albums before I talk about them for this show. And I don't think I ever gave enough credit to the drum sound on Until Your Heart Stops. It's really incredible what Kurt Ballou and the guys captured here. Track 8, Bottom Feeder, almost has a 90s grunge vibe at times. I could hear it on an Alice in Chains record at some point. It just has that feel. And the end of the song is the third segue on the album that leads into Ebola. Now, Ebola is just nuts. It's exactly what I loved about Caven in leading into the release of this album. It kicks off in your face and doesn't let up. Oftentimes, I wouldn't make it this far in the album because I'd always be going back to listen to Juggernaut or The End of Our Rope and Halo of Flies. But when I did get this far, I was always stoked about this song. And the original release of the album wraps up with Controlled Mayhem Then Erupts. This song has always felt like the perfect bow to put on the gift that is Until Your Heart Stops. It's a great summary of everything we heard over the previous nine songs. It's also a great summary to what we had already heard from Kaven at this point in their career. I love that they didn't overdo it. The album clocks in at just under 60 minutes, which by the hardcore standards of the day is a long album. But Kaven could have indulged themselves and added more. They didn't. This was a carefully thought out piece of work, and I love them for it. Caven's had a bit of a resurgence over the past few years. It kind of started, sadly, after the passing of their bassist, Caleb. It did a few benefit shows for Caleb's family, and the response was huge. They even released an album of unfinished material that they had been working on with Caleb. All of that led to a couple more tours. Nate from Converge joined the band as bassist, and they released their first proper album in over a decade. It's called Heavy Pendulum. And that came out with huge reviews and made it onto a lot of best-of lists for 2022. Just a couple months before I recorded this episode, Relapse Records re-released Until Your Heart Stops with a bunch of unreleased material and new packaging. It basically sold out in minutes. I went online as soon as I saw the post about it and everything was already gone. It's just another example of what kind of force in and this album continue to be 25 years after it came out. I want to close out this episode with another story. So my friend I was visiting, I mentioned earlier in this episode, her name is Laura. I had dinner with she and her family just about every week. They had a family friend that would join once in a while as well. This friend was a year or two older than I was. Now, this particular night, I had brought the CD case for Until Your Heart Stops into the house with me. Why? I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe I thought it would be cool to show it off, right? Who knows? The friend, I can't remember her name right now, saw it and said, Kaven, where do I know that name from? Caven wasn't exactly a household name. They weren't necessarily part of the pop culture zeitgeist. After a while, though, it hit her. She said to me, are these guys from Methuen? I used to sit next to a guy named Steve that wrote Caven on things in class. He told me he was in a band, but I thought it was just like some guys playing in a garage. Steve would be Steven Brodsky, the singer, guitarist, and lead songwriter for Caven. I think it surprised his friend that Caven was more than a notebook doodle and was, in fact, a band that would create music that some 25 years later still inspires people.